KRCL, Salt Lake City. Support for Radioactive on KRCL comes from our sustaining members and Mark Miller Subaru. Homegrown's all right with me. Homegrown is the way it should be. Homegrown is a good thing. Plant that bell and let it ring. This is Al, KRCL's Punk Rock Farmer, and this is the Punk Rock Farmer Friday edition of Radioactive, and I'm gratefully here with Laura Jones. Hey, hey, how's your garden growing this week? You know, it's growing really pretty darn good. The tomatoes <laughs> are getting tall, and there's some green ones in there, and picked some kale and some uh, um, Swiss chard today, and I think my first zucchini is coming in the next really? few days. Oh, man, it's so hot. My, my, my little garden's not liking it, so I'm hoping we get some answers that help folks like you and me and everybody out there listening. Who you got? Big time. Um, uh, Cynthia B's with us. And about this time of year, every t- every year we try to, well, it's been a f- couple of years, but we try to get her to come on and talk about water and saving water and the drought mm. area we live in. And it, it's been a cycle. She told me, I thought it was 10 years. She said 1,200 years. A 1,200-year <laughs> mega drought, drought right? Yeah, exactly. Droughts. Well, and... Conservation Garden Park in West Jordan is where she's from. If you haven't been there, folks, it is so beautiful and has tons of ideas on how to design your landscape with water-wise in mind, right? Yep, for sure. Okay. Erin Albertis with us, and uh, we're going to talk a little bit about growing plants and um, pomegranate bush that... Something that doesn't grow here Very regularly. Well. And mine in St. George, but up here in the city, she's figured it out. She's the new bureau chief, shall we say? I don't know. I'm going to have to ask her what her title is for Axios Salt Lake. They just opened up a, a bureau and a newsletter that covers a lot of hyper-local stuff. And let's see. We've got Skywatcher Leo T with a classic episode. We've got some fireworks info for you. we got what's some. fresh. There we go. With your friends down in Santa Quinn, right? Yep. The... Uh, Farmyard Fresh? Farmyard Fresh, yes, that's right. So the farmer's market, hey, you can find one just about (laughs) in every county on a Saturday in particular. But uh, last night was Liberty Park Farmer's Market. Our friends in Harriman, I think, are Thursday nights, and they've opened now, right? They're, or is which one's on Monday? I think that's the one that's on Monday, okay, actually. So and then there's one coming in West Jordan. That's it. It's not, it's and not West yet. Valley. It's not yet. I thought they started on June 29th. I th- Double check. I think it's in July, that one. Anyway, we're just telling you, there's plenty of fresh produce to get locally grown. You know, and, it, and there's tomatoes now. There's, they're starting to come in. They may be grown in a hoop house, but uh, they're still bringing them to the <laughs> farmer's market. So get out yeah. to the farmer's market and get your own what's fresh. You know what it's time to do now? Go to Studio 3B. Sullivan Petchenpang, our audio engineer. Thank you, Sully, for coming down and making this music happen with us. Who do we got tonight, Aldine? We have a, a, a duo, Nate Passy. Nick. Nick Passy and um, Aria Darling. And um, they've been playing around for quite a while, and uh-huh. I'm not sure why we haven't had them, but uh, it's going to be great to have them tonight. We've How had are you Nick guys? solo before, but now yes. we've got Aria. Hi, you two. Hi. You know, I uh, got you up, and I'm not hearing you. Sully? Oh. Oh. There we Hi are. There. Hi. <laughs> now we're live. Hi. How Hello. are you? 
Excellent. And we actually have tickets, folks. So as soon as they start playing the song, you can call 801-359-9191. I have a pair of tickets to their show on Friday, July 22nd at Hello Bulk Markets. And we'll be talking about that show and giving away a couple pair tonight. But how'd you two come together as a duo, Nick and Aria? Uh, well, so <clears throat> Nick's been uh, been doing his uh, kind of solo gig for a little while, and he had a cellist. And uh you know, she picked up some other gigs, some other things she wanted to do, and uh, there was an open spot, and we were just kind of hanging out. Uh, we lived together. We were hanging out one day and talking about what he was going to do with the project, and I was like, let me let me take a crack at some of your new material uh, just with the mandolin and some backup vocals and see what that sounds like, and here we are. Very cool. Hey, Al, what's his first song? So the first st- song is Anesthetic. Do you want to tell me a little bit about it? Give us some background. <clears throat> Um, this is a this is a song about how sometimes you get sick in life and sometimes you get better and sometimes you do not. <laughs> well, there you go. This is Nick Passy and Aria Darling right here, fresh and homegrown on KRCL ninety point nine FM.
Watcher Leo T here. Look up, look around, get a little lost in space. After dark, we don't need a spaceship to look to the south-southeast for orange Antares, a red supergiant of summer. This is the beautiful center of the Scorpion, which is one of the few constellations that I actually think looks like its namesake. Around and upper right of Antares, the other wider stars of upper Scorpius form their distinctive pattern. The row of three stars upper right of Antares traditionally marks the Scorpion's head. In binoculars or a small telescope, the top one, Beta Scorpii, is a magical double star that looks like a big and smaller atom hanging out in space and, when aligned with another star, make a cosmic triangle. The tail of the scorpion extends down toward the horizon, with the tail ending with two beautiful cat's eyes barely sticking above the horizon. Scorpius is a magical treat of summer, always low and twinkly on the horizon, with many swirly, faint star patterns and sparkly colors amidst the bigger stars. Stay tuned for Skywatcher Leo T Star Party coming soon. We'll get together and look at them ourselves. And on Sunday, June 20th, the summer solstice, also known as Festival Solstice or Midsummer, occurs when one of the Earth's poles has its maximum tilt toward the sun. It happens twice yearly, once in each hemisphere. For that hemisphere, the summer solstice is when the sun reaches its highest position in the sky and is the day with the longest period of daylight. Within the Arctic Circle, Antarctic Circle, there is continuous daylight around the summer solstice. The solstice arrives at 9.16 p.m., marking the first day of summer in the Northern Hemisphere and the first day of winter in the Southern Hemisphere. Also on June 20th, the same day as the solstice, NASA astronaut Shane Kimbrew and European Space Agency astronaut Thomas Pesquet will make their second six-hour spacewalk together this month to install another new solar array outside the International Space Station. Happy walking! If you're an early riser, you can watch a spacewalk live on NASA TV at 6 a.m. Also, if you're up, you can catch Jupiter and Saturn up there in the sky. On Skywatcher Leo T, it's one sky, many cultures. Today, we'll travel to northern Montana and visit the Blackfoot tribe. The Blackfoot believe the above people, or sky beings, were the first creations. The first sky being is Natosi, the sun, who is highly venerated by the Blackfoot people and ruler of the sky people. Other sky beings include the moon goddess. Natosi, the sun god, is married to the moon goddess, and their son is the morning star hero. 
To the Blackfoot, the stars in the sky or sky beings are sacred spirits and live in the sky world far above the clouds with their own society and land. So if you're out on a dark night and there's a slight breeze and the big puffy clouds hanging low and heat lightning pulsing on the horizon and lightning talking between the clouds, and a few stars in the sky, feel the energy of the sky beings around you. As we look up, look around, and get a little lost in space. Skywatcher Leo T. On KRCL with Laura Jones on Radioactive. One in four Utahns has a criminal record. If you or someone you know needs help with the expungement process, visit cleanslateutah.org, a new nonprofit working to ensure that Utahns don't miss out on opportunities because of their past. Support for KRCL comes from Mark Miller Subaru and their Love's Diversity Initiative. Mark Miller Subaru is a proud community partner of Project Rainbow, spreading love together this Utah Pride Month. Learn more at projectrainbowutah.org or markmillersubaru.com. And welcome back to Radioactive on KRCL 90.9. I'm Laura Jones. It's Punk Rock Farmer Friday, Al Dynstrick 9, KRCL's Punk Rock Farmer in the studio with us for more true tales of the agrihood. Stick around for more music from Nick Passy and Aria Darling. And when you hear them playing their next tune, you can call 801-359-9191 to pick up a pair of tickets to their next show coming up later in July at Hello Bulk Markets. We'll ask them all about that, Al. But uh, I, I wanted to talk about Axios Salt Lake City. It's a new um, bureau of Axios that they've opened here in early June. And Erin Alberti, they hired her away from the Salt Lake Tribune Pulitzer Prize winner. How you doing? Good, thank you. I'm so glad you're here. I'm so happy to be here. So uh, Axios, let's explain what that is for folks. And there's a newsletter they can sign up for. Right, yeah. Axios is, um, I mean, it's a national news organization we are running a Salt Lake City newsletter, um, so it's focused on local news and state news. Um, you subscribe. We put out usually about five items a day, um, one of which is called Fry Sauce. It's our kind of <laughs> mix of links and tips. and Utah quirkiness. Yeah, uh-huh. yeah. And whatever <laughs> news stories of the day are interesting that we didn't cover ourselves, we kind of give a quick, you know, kind of one-sentence summary of so that makes it easy to kind of just keep up with what's going on. But yeah, yeah our goal is to sort of be like an information concierge um, that's not uh, a high burden for the reader. Um, we write, and all of Axios is like this, we write in what we call smart brevity. Um, it's short pieces. Digestible. But, yeah, very digestible. Um, a lot of our stories start with a little thing that says why it matters. Mm. Um, so it's it clarifies some things that may have, if you just saw it, you know, um, a story kind of swing by about it on another platform, you might not really know what's going yeah, on. Yeah, because we, we doom scroll and scan these headlines, and then we're like, oh, I wonder, well, I don't have time. Like, I, yeah. I, uh, I signed up for the newsletter, Al, full disclosure. And one of the recent stories about the OBGYN shortage, especially in the wake of the SCOTUS Supreme, the Supreme Court ruling overturning Roe v. Wade, used that for a conversation with Carrie Galloway earlier this year. Full attribution. Yeah. <laughs> but Al, the one that caught my eye was that Aaron's growing pomegranates. Which is something that does not grow so great here. You have to coax it a little bit. Well, my strategy, and I wasn't, I mean, you know, I experiment a lot in my garden. I try stuff that is supposedly not going to work here. And I've had 
well, I've had a lot of things that were supposed to work here not work. And I've had <laughs> a lot of things that, well, some things that really weren't supposed to work here that actually did pretty well, both landscaping plants and um, fruits and vegetables. And the pomegranate was one of those risks. Um, at the time, it was a pretty cheap risk. I think I spent maybe 15 or $20 on my start. But um, yeah, I, I espaliate it. I hope I'm pronouncing that right. Yeah, so you um, train it in a certain geometric pattern. Uh, yeah, I got this like kind of silicon-ish glue, and I put these little <laughs> circles on the wall. That, that's actually my neighbor's backyard wall, but um, it's... I, it's trained up against the wall um, and then I trim it every year so that it kind of stays flat because it is right next to my vegetable beds so like if you can't walk around the vegetable beds if I don't do that job but um, so that gives it some protection it's the south facing wall um, which is helpful in terms of just sun exposure and, and warmth during the summer but um, it's produced fruit almost every year that I've had it. I think the first year I don't think it did anything because it had just been planted but every year since then gotten some and some years we've gotten quite a few sometimes the pomegranates are like little small yeah little ping pong balls that you uh-huh. can't do anything with but we've had like some like solid juicy pie- pomegranates come off of this thing it's great like i i was really surprised and the flowers are gorgeous they mm-hmm. put out these red just bright bright red kind of tubular flowers they're in, they're in bloom right now so, so does is the plant getting hardier every year is it getting a bigger is it is it many trunks or is it one how to explain what it looks like so i was not committed to making it like i like if you look at you know european gardens kind of old school you see their espalier mm-hmm. um, fruit trees they tend to be very elegant looking very symmetrical yeah. kind of posed on the wall there i'm like Oh, here's a branch that looks slightly bigger than the others. Oh, we're keeping it there. that one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, keep that one there. Um, and so I'm not getting like a trunk. I think that a pomegranate, like if I just let it grow, it, even in places where it is normally hardy, I think that it comes out a little bit bushier. Mm. So each year, do you think like, um, I know with a fig tree, the root ball gets more and more established. And as the years go on, it it's hardier. And, and do you know? Do you notice something like that? Yeah, I mean, well, I have not had much die. I haven't much had much die off from winter to winter. Oh, that's at cool. all. Like I have some, but I trim it off, and it all gets replaced. Like new growth comes, and like I've trimmed off what I thought was looking kind of dead after this winter, and now I have all sorts of big new sprouts coming up. Very cool. So it is kind of putting it it puts itself back together and you're not covering it at all no i haven't done anything with it just leaving it bare out do you know the zone that it's good that it that it grows in you know i think it actually is recommended for zone seven but that seemed pretty optimistic i mean you just it's hard to tell and uh, honestly the site that it's at i don't know what the zone is because there's so many microclimates yeah Uh against that wall getting a lot of sun Uh, it could uh, be the equivalent of a higher zone than i think it is Mm -hmm. well with climate change have you noticed that the pomegranate's doing better every year is that the problem (laughs) i i mean i guess that was the the one yeah the the one like silver lining that i like (laughs) set myself up to enjoy as summer becomes increasingly unbearable what kind of pomegranate are there do you know the varietal oh my gosh it's it's i think is it Fukianka? Yeah, Parfianka. Sorry. Um, I'm reading your Oh, newsletter. thank you. Good. I'm glad you pulled that up. Um, yeah, because I just think about it as the pomegranate. But yeah, it's a Parfianka. Um, I just ordered it online. Uh, 
I think what do you have the name of the grower there and the story that's, that was pulled up of course I just closed it it's wins four wins <laughs> I got it from four, four wins, wins okay. and I think it was sold out this year yeah. I believe I planted it in the spring and I think with something that's less hardy you would want to plant it in the spring I don't yeah. think you'd want to plant it too close to fall because it's going to get cold how was last year last year was good um I you know I haven't ever counted the pomegranates because they are challenging to eat <laughs> like if you buy them from the store you got to spend some time like I, I got to find the video on YouTube that shows me how to open it and I, eat it. I watch those and I try to replicate it. And it's like when I try to replicate a hairdo on YouTube and it's like, this is <laughs> happening the way it looked on TV. <laughs> you do. I love the YouTube hairdos. That's awesome. So what are some of the stories uh, that you've been uh, really fond of with your, your new gig? Well, we've been obviously doing a fair bit of abortion coverage um, we've looked especially at some of the uh, exemptions uh, that are purportedly in Utah's law. And in talking to doctors and legal experts, found that they're a lot narrower than they're sometimes being talked about. Um, for example, the medical exceptions um, for like if the, the patient who's pregnant is facing, you know, a death or a serious loss or a severe risk of a loss of a bodily function um that you know, just in the practice of obstetrics there's a lot of gray area mm -hmm. um things can change and to dis to establish what a severe risk is there isn't that isn't quantified there isn't yeah. a threshold and politicians getting into that the gyneticians they make me crazy well and it's like even if you did set some like numerical risk threshold that's not something that's easy to establish in medicine either because you have multiple conditions mm -hmm. um what starts out being you know not incredibly well i mean it what counts as incredibly high risk too it, it you know if you said well it, it's only a five percent risk of dying well when it's dying it's i mean would, would you go into a room with 19 other people and one of you gets your name drawn out of a hat and that person gets executed on the spot. Yeah. Everybody else, even if you got paid like a million dollars, would you ever go into that room? No. Like, no, I wouldn't go into that room either. Well, and I'm not going to go into my doctor's office, have this really hard conversation and say, wait a minute, you call your lawyer, I'm going to call my elected representative and see what they say. Well, right. These are emergency situations. I mean, if somebody's hemorrhaging, you don't have the 15 minutes even, much less hours to get on the phone. And this is something that doctors say is already happening because um, there are rules about like the wait time and the um, informed they, consent and all the well, the, the information, the, yeah, the information module that yeah. they're required to give. These things aren't practical in medical emergencies, but they are getting calls from providers who have patients in emergencies just to be like, can yeah. we do this? Yeah. Um, that's something that's already happening, so it seems more likely then. So that's one thing that we've we've put a lot of um, attention looking at what you know what that means. Um, we obviously we covered the primary, and I was proud of our primary coverage because of the way that we write things so digestibly. So my task that night was the Utah County Attorney's race with the. Um, I mean, I can't even explain it all here, but that's the one that had the allegations of a cannibalistic the, sex. The cannibalistic sex, yes, down in Utah County in the uh, <laughs> DA's yeah, race. Yeah, so that is a really convoluted situation that is hard to understand, and the way that we write our newsletter actually makes something like that yeah. kind of coherent and sets it in a context of, for example, like these allegations of sex trafficking are are interesting because 
um, child sex trafficking has become such uh, an attention getter in right wing politics. Um, so it's and it's been in a, like an arena that um, the right has pretty effectively used to unify seemingly disparate causes like, for example, Blue Lives Matter and even like anti maskers and covid were like, well, the masking is to um, mask to hide predators faces and children's victims faces so that they can't be seen later. Um, so, you know, when you bring up that when when human trafficking or child sex trafficking is like shorthand for something else. Kind of, I mean, yeah, it can be used that way. So it's just kind of an interesting context that, you know, I didn't actually see a lot of people talking about in, in coverage mm -hmm. of this. And even in a short article that explains this, what is this convoluted story is, can kind of bring that context into it to show that it's like this, this seemingly very weird story isn't happening in a vacuum. Yeah. So how do folks sign up for Axios SLC and learn about all these kinds of stories as well as how to grow pomegranates. <laughs> well, I would subscribe to the newsletter because we do have content in the newsletter that we don't always put um, on our website and it's free. Uh, so I just, our URL for the Salt Lake City site um, is a little complicated. You can go to axios.com, go to the, at the top, it says local, go to Salt Lake City, open that, you can pop in your email address and you're good to go. We'll put a link in the show notes. Aaron, thanks for coming by and sharing your story of growing pomegranates. Al's got his fig tree. Everybody's got something that they just love to try and tend. Mine is I just oh, yeah. try and keep things alive. <laughs> <laughs> well, I really appreciate being on here, and I'm super excited to hear what you guys are growing, too. All right. Stick around, folks. We're going to get to that. In the meantime, I got a little reminder on how to take care of your pets this 4th of July holiday weekend. This is Callista Pearson with Salt Lake County Animal Services. Here's a few quick tips to keep your pet safe during fireworks season. Take them for a walk early in the day before the fireworks start going off. Make sure your gates and garage doors are closed. Give them a safe place to hunker down and don't try to pull them out of hiding if they're scared, just comfort them. You can play soft music or turn on a loud fan to distract them. And most importantly, make sure your contact information is up to date on your pet's ID tags and microchip. All pets in Salt Lake County can be microchipped at no cost at Salt Lake County Animal Services Tuesday through Saturday from 10 to 6. If you have questions, email animal at slco.org or visit adoptutahpets.org. If you find a lost pet, call your local animal control. If your pet is lost, post photos of them on the Nextdoor app and the Utah Lost and Found Pets Facebook page. Calista Pearson from Salt Lake County Animal Services. Do take care of your pets this holiday weekend. And if you haven't heard, the use of fireworks is restricted in Salt Lake City limits. It's been really windy. It's red flag warnings, Aldine. Um, I'll put a link to the maps, but uh, to help prevent the possibility of accidental fire, fireworks may not be discharged in any red area of this map that I'm going to link you to. And, of course, fireworks rules and regulations, you can't start lighting those things off until the second to the fifth mm -hmm. and uh, i'll put a link to all those regulations as well let's not burn down the wasatch front this fourth of july i'll die that'd be good <laughs> <laughs> i came home what was it a weekend ago or two and they were just lighting things off in my neighborhood and we're like oh let's, wait a minute my grass is really dry and coming up we're going to talk to the woman who can help us figure this out right Aldo? yes cynthia beast with us um, from the uh, conservation garden park and uh, with jordan valley water uh, explain a little bit about uh, the the park the garden park and, and yeah. what it's all about 
So the Conservation Garden Park is located in West Jordan, 8275 South, 1300 West. And we're about nine acres now. We recently did an expansion. Wow. So, um, you know, one of the most frequent questions we used to get when people came to the garden is like, this is really beautiful. Could you show me where the water-wise plants are? <laughs> it's all water-wise. <laughs> exactly. We're like, it's all of it, you know, because what people are expecting and what they're getting is not the same yeah. thing. We can still have a lush beautiful landscape we just need to expand our plant palette a little bit all that's coming up al we got to save keep our powder dry for a big long conversation let's get some more music what do you say sounds good to me all right going back to studio 3b we got nick and aria what's this song al this one is called breathe tell us a little bit about it um this is a new one that we're recording right now and um we actually just came from rocket skates recording studio in salt lake just a few few uh blocks down the road okay guys i got tickets to see nick and aria on the 22nd at hello bulk markets so call 801-359-9191 i got a couple pair of tickets to set some folks up with al do the honors nick passy and aria darling fresh and homegrown right here on krcl with breathe
ARCL's Short Summer Drive is Wednesday through Saturday, July 13th through 16th. So we're counting down the days by giving away a pair of tickets every day next week. Sign up for our newsletter at krcl.org for your chance to win. Thanks and good luck. I'm here at the Downtown Farmer's Market with Isaac and Stephanie from, <laughs> from Farmyard Fresh down in Santa Quinn. And um, they're here at the Downtown Farmer's Market every Saturday. Isaac, what's fresh? So this week we've got a lot of lettuce, uh, kale, arugula. We're just getting garlic coming on. So we are selling as new garlic today and then over the next couple of weeks it'll turn into uh, uh, fresh garlic. We've got sage, peas, lots of carrots, kohlrabi. Beautiful carrots. Thank you, yeah, we, we've got those. They've put a lot of work into those. We've got microgreens, so. Things are starting stuff. to come on. Yeah. They are starting to come on finally, yep. Yeah. Very good, this is Isaac and Stephanie here at Farmyard Fresh, they're from Santa Quinn. They come up here every Saturday to the downtown farmer's market. Thanks you guys. Thank you. And look for them at Pioneer Park, 350 South, 350 West, 300 South in downtown Salt Lake City. Aldine's always looking to find what's fresh. I'm Laura Jones. It's Radioactive Punk Rock Farmer Friday. And Aldine, it's time for your Urban Farm Report. Yeah, let's get back with Cynthia B. from the Conservation Garden Park. You know, we talked a little, a little bit just before the break about um, what's going on there in the garden that's there. Uh you guys have a library of all the plants that are that folks can look at, correct? We do. We have an online plant database at conservationgardenpark.org. Just, you know, 1,400 of the best plants that we've grown in the garden for this climate. Um, it is a mix of natives and adapted plants, and they are listed in the um, in the database that way. And it's also really searchable. So let's say you're looking for plants for your park strip. You can actually use that as a qualifier and find just the things that are going to grow best in that scenario. Uh-huh. And is there any fancy looking flowers or anything in those in those plants that are water-wise? Oh, absolutely. There's some amazing Because most folks plants. probably don't think there is, I think. Oh. You know, the very Okay, if I could only grow and I'm a total plant nerd, if I could only grow one plant and one perennial okay. in the, in my whole garden, mm -hmm. it would be the Utah native Sundancer daisy. Okay. It blooms nonstop from April through hard frost. Oh wow! And just keeps going and going and going. It can go with no supplemental water once established, and it's just a really awesome little plant. It loves park strip scenarios. If you baby it, you'll kill it. So you got to be neglectful. You got to you got to give it some harsh reality. That's right. Very cool. That's that's great. Now, you know, you, I I don't think I like I said I I don't think most folks think that uh, you can have something beautiful that grows. Uh, you know, w if you don't give it enough water, especially because mm -hmm. we see things wither and die so much with our our lawns and 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 whatnot sure. for sure. I, so um, we talked a little bit about uh, before the show. You know about um, how different parts of the state are are a little different. I know some some places have reservoirs, some reservoirs are full. There's little microclimates and things, but but we're really in a drought and have been for quite a long time. Yeah, I mean, based on news reports, we're in a 1,200 year drought, so it's it's as bad as it's been. Well, before this was even a thing, <laughs> so. And, yeah. and what, what, can, what can folks do to, to, to make a difference, uh, you know, just, just with, their, with their lawns? And if yeah, you're going to keep your lawn, <laughs> keep yeah. it, what, what can you do? So the first thing we want to do is you want to 
water it smarter. If you, if that's if you're not in a position to make any changes, you know, obviously we need to follow watering restrictions for our areas. But also switching to a smart controller, there's statewide rebates available through utahwatersavers.com. And any homeowner in the state of Utah can get a rebate that helps them get that smart controller. I'm telling you, it's worth having one just to have it manageable from your phone. And But, you know, it will it calls into the weather station and it will override. Now, So explain, a, yeah, explain yeah, it a little bit. Yeah, so a smart controller, it's just you replace your existing controller. You don't need to do anything else to your system. You just pop out the one you have put the new one in and get it programmed, or just go with their auto settings. I will tell you that a smart controller isn't smarter than a person paying attention, Uh but it's definitely, you know, it's not always top of mind for all of us, right? And even in years when we're not in a drought, we still need to be conserving. So it just makes sense. If there's, you know, wind that comes up and it's going to be too windy to water, then the smart controller will give you a delay on that and wait until the conditions are better. So so it doesn't just burn off, so it doesn't just correct. Just evaporate. Right. So that's one of the first things that you could do. And so, then we also need to so have So you less. don't have to watch when it rains. Oh, no, I need to turn it off because it's going to rain. Or um, Well, you definitely want to do that if you don't have a smart controller. Right, of course. Because, you know, we could be getting rain all week long, and if everyone's sprinklers are running the same, our reservoirs are draining as though that rain wasn't even happening. Right. Wow. So the, the smart... The smart uh, Controller. Controller, thank mm-hmm. you. It's not just set it for 20 minutes every other day. It's connected to the National Weather Service for yeah, so our it, area. Mm-hmm. It calls into the closest weather station to your house. It's connected to your Wi-Fi. And, and then it sets your irrigation based on those conditions. Wow. That is pretty trick. <laughs> Smart. I mean, that's just one thing. You guys have a lot of things going on. Um there's, we'll talk about local scapes because we've talked about that before, and, and but there's always new things. But what about this the rebate thing that you told me about? Yes, yeah, so that's <laughs> utahwatersavers.com. There are certain rebates that are available statewide because they're funded by the Utah Division of Water Resources, mm-hmm. and so those would be the smart controller rebate. And then for folks who have an older toilet that's a high-water-using toilet, Technology's come a long way since that pre-1994 toilet, Mm. and that's the number one water user in your house. So for indoor conservation, replacing those older toilets. So there's a rebate for that, and anyone in the state of Utah, that any homeowner can get that. You can do up to two toilet rebates per household. Um, But then, based on where you live, there are other rebates available for doing more than just those two things. So there's the Flip Your Strip program. That, uh, that rebates people for, you know, changing out their park strips to be more water-wise and water-efficient. Those park strip flips can save anywhere from five to 8,000 gallons of water per summer. Like, people often just don't know how much water is being used. No one's trying yeah. to be wasteful. We just don't know, you know, how that's being allocated. And out of sight is out of mind, and that happens a lot. So flipping my strip, though, because everyone's talking about, it seems, everyone's talking about um, artificial turf, Aldine, and I've seen some folks rip out all their grass and put in lava rock and the cooling nature of a greenscape is lost so what do you think yeah so and i've had the op- another argument made that way it's like well i've got to keep lawn in the park strip or we're going to have the urban heat island effect yeah because lawn cools everything down plants create the coolness Trees. the plant does not have to be lawn yeah so um, most parts of the state, we, we do want people like in the Flip Your Strip program for Salt Lake County and Utah County and most of the state, uh, they do require that you have 50% plant coverage. 
just so that, you know, we end up with, we still want to live in beautiful communities. We still, you know, want to have kind of that reduction of urban heat island. And so it's kind of that sweet spot, getting the plants that can handle those conditions and making sure that we're still using them. So this is why plants are required for some of the rebates, because the, the plants are what's making things right. They are, but then uh, a big part of the rebates is irrigation, because just because you have a native plant, that's just a plant with the ability to be water-wise, but Uh if you're watering it the same way you were watering before, no water saved. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So the plant itself is only a potential. How the water is delivered in your landscape is really what comes down to the water savings. What about when? Because that's what I'm fiddling with at my house is I don't have my drip quite dialed in, so I'm still out there hand-watering and trying to spot water. Mm -hmm. First of all, and I've been asking a lot of our guests these last couple weeks, what's the rule of thumb for you know drip 5 a.m 20 minutes every other day if i'm hand watering is it one mississippi two mississippi so drip so drip irrigation if it's on a drip irrigation zone Mm -hmm. one hour once a week really so you want to go long and slow okay so you're applying that so that water gets in and it pushes a little deeper um so that's for the drip irrigation now for your overhead spray the only place you should be using overhead spray in your landscape is on the lawn okay and um, the more you can avoid overhead spraying planting beds, the happier you're going to be. You know, a lot of people say, well, I can't have planting beds or I'll have weeds because their experience has been, I have planting beds and a lot of weeds. But what most people don't know is if you're watering your planting beds the same way you're watering the lawn, you're putting four to six times more water on the planting beds than they need. You're watering 100% of that surface. That's called cultivation. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So if you want to control weeds, you've got to control water. So let's go back to drip irrigation and with the garden. Because like you said, it, if Oh, you mean vegetable garden. Vegetable oh, garden. Oh, that's different. That's it's different, of yes. course. But you have being attentive is the is the big thing. I mean, like you said, you need to go and look in every day and yeah. see what where especially with the garden. Uh, the best gardeners are ones that are out there every day yeah. and look and see what the plants are, what's happening. It gets so darn hot and the sun gets mm, so yes. intense that you have to water a little bit almost every day, a little bit at least. Yes. And so for vegetables, sorry, for yes. food production yes, reasons, you're, you you're know, going to water is, more frequently That's what frequently we talk about slow. here on well, this show. You know. <laughs> so that one hour drip once a week, yes, that sorry. was for your planting That's for beds, your, your ornamental, ornamental plants. Yes. 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 Let's talk veggie bed because that's okay. what I'm struggling with. Yes. So veggie beds, you're going to probably Probably want to water for like 10 minutes twice a day so really? short but longer but here's the thing too there's no reason you can't mulch your veggie beds mm-hmm. so add that mulch on top of your soil so that that water is staying in the soil and um yeah and that you're protecting that and keeping that in there and then the another thing is shade cloth is a great way to go i have i it. mean I'm sorry, there is no squash that tastes good enough for me to deal with squash bugs. Uh-huh. So any kind of, you know, cover and things like that that help discourage that and, you know, cats, mm-hmm. either my own or neighbor's cats from getting in my planting beds. Yeah. You know, I would really encourage the use of that to just kind of help our plants moderate a little bit better. Well, let me tell you a little bit about mine, the way I have it. I have it set so that the garden and the drip stuff, it waters about six minutes a day. And then it seems... Like, I can almost cut it back a little bit um, because I don't want it wet all the time underneath the soil. I want it to dry out a little bit. I want the plants to starve a second and then and then feed them. I don't want to just keep drenching them because some plants, some vegetables, yeah. they don't like Tomatoes that don't either. Like feet. Right. right. And so that 
I, like you said, get out there and look at it and see what's going on for your certain situation. Your system mm -hmm. may have a bigger hole. It may drip a little more water. It could, you know, mm -hmm. there's some factors involved. But um, it, I, I'm, I'm having pretty good luck with it. I got my bill last night, and I was telling you this. It came, in, it came at like 3 in the morning. I looked this morning. How was it? And my bill, my bill for June... Whereas when I did start watering, I, I before that I watered a little bit, hand watered certain areas, the things that really needed it. I have a big tree that needs it in the front. If you go and look at it, uh, you know, in a drought cycle, your trees really need it. And, and last year they told us to water into the fall on some of the trees later than you would because cause we're in a drought. And um, so, oh, I lost my train of thought. But um, you're dry. Yeah, oh, darn it. So you That's just okay. got to prioritize, right? So right. the trees are a priority. Your larger investment plants okay. are the priority. I, I, my lawn, my back lawn is dead, and I'm going to let it go. I was going to think about really? reseeding it this year, and I'm like, you know what? It's going to cost me very little money to reseed my lawn. I'm saving that tree right there that's got 10 years of growth on it. Uh -huh. Yeah. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. And all those trees in city parkways across the Wasatch Front, right. you know, where as the homeowner or whoever's occupying the house, we're supposed to take care of them in this drought. That's that's more important than perhaps the lawn or even some ornamentals. Al, did you find your... your I was talking about my, my bill. My your bill, bill that's remember? it, your bill, your bill. <laughs> and, was um, it, good or bad? And so uh, for June, when I started watering, it was still only $10. Really? Yes. So I know it gets hotter and it gets more intense. And then as the sun gets more intense, the garden will need more water at certain points. And then as it gets cooler, the tomatoes don't like it and you cut it back. So... But there's going to be a surge where I'm going to use some water, I know, for sure. And we talk a little bit about the normal use before you start watering is a certain amount of gallons. Talk, to, to talk about that a little bit. And then when did you start? Well, it's just the difference. Like most people just don't know, like, because how would you know? Uh, waters often build kind of awkwardly, and it's hard to understand what, what's uh -huh. in the billing. So that's one of the problems that we're working on fixing. But um, about 40% of your annual use is your indoor watering. So, I mean, it, how you use water indoors. Your house. Uh -huh. Your mm -hmm. household. But about 60 to 65% of the average family's annual water use is just landscape watering. Yeah. So that's only happening a certain number of months. Right. And as our um, climate is warming, mm -hmm. and, and that's extending the growing season, which is great when you're trying to grow stuff. But if you think about everything needing to be watered two weeks sooner and two weeks later, later. Mm -hmm. what that does to water supply is really significant. So you couple that with growth, you know, and um, any water that's cheap and easy to use, we're already using it. Uh -huh. So if there's new supply that can be developed, it, it's, it hasn't been developed yet for reasons. Well, I know that it costs you more to water later in the day, so you want to get that thing early. How early is too early? And, and uh, when it starts to cool off, what do we need to worry about the water doing in the soil for that last so bit of growth? The biggest waste of water actually happens early in the spring when mm -hmm. people start watering too soon yeah. uh -huh. and late in the fall. It's not July when we're wasting the most water. It's, it's people watering like it's July you know, just like you go from zero to 60 uh -huh. and you water that way the whole season. So we want people to learn to kind of scale it up and scale it back down. I try to, in the spring, like I said, I try to hand water things that really need it in the spring. And I don't turn my system on yeah, that's great. until it's past Mother's Day. 
And they, because they, they don't tell you to start watering your lawn, it's it's after Mother's Day, correct? Yeah, we we like to wait that long. I always yeah. try to push myself each year and see how long I can. How I long did, you can I just waited. do it? I uh-huh, waited, yeah. uh-huh. I waited, I waited, but then it's cooking in the backyard, yeah. Al. It's cooking in the well, backyard. Well, and you know, you can even what we're saying is till you start regular watering. So let's say it's been two dry weeks in May, give it one watering and then turn it off again. Yeah, and then wait and see what happens. You know, so just be just recognize what's going on so we're talking we're talking about growing vegetables and farmers and stuff are people say oh farmers use a lot of water or this you know what are some of the pros and cons on this subject they are growing our food they are they're producing something of value you know my lawn produces value for me Mm-hmm. My lawn doesn't really, I mean, it looks nice, but I could do lots of things that look nice. Mm-hmm. You know, so the lawn produces value for me, but not for the rest of society. So it's just, we're going to have to prioritize. And yes, you know, a, a big chunk of the water use in the state is farmers, and so are a lot of the reservoirs. And uh, when that gets bandied about, and, you know, you see those comments on message boards, and it just drives us crazy. But uh-huh. not everything, that, that water's not all equal. It's not equally distributed. It's not equal in quality. I mean, Utah lake water can be used for agriculture. But no one's drinking it, yeah. right? You know, so right, right. you know, there's just different levels that we need to be kind of careful Secondary with, and it's just water. very mm-hmm. different based on regions. And so the most important thing is to follow the advice for the water district that serves you, and it's about what their supply is. It doesn't matter what a farmer in Richfield is doing; that's not impacting me in Salt Lake County. Uh huh. Uh huh. Um, I mean, it does matter what they're doing, but you know <laughs> what I mean. So, so who's being asked to conserve? Everybody. Across the board. So every if everybody does a little bit, then it makes a big difference. It absolutely does. You know, and people said, oh, why are, you know, why homeowners? And, and you know, I work for Jordan Valley Water. We supply drinking water to suburbia. We don't supply mm-hmm. any secondary irrigation water. And about 75% of what we're supplying is going to single-family residential homes. Single-family uh-huh, residential uh-huh. homes. Cynthia B. from uh, Conservation Garden Park in West Jordan. Remind folks the address and hours yeah. and dropping by. I know you're closing the 4th and the 25th. That's right. So the address is 8275 South, 1300 West in West Jordan. Now, there is construction going on in front because, you know, it's a Utah summer. <laughs> so you're going to want to come to the garden. Um, the, the lanes that are traveling so, uh, north from 90th South are close. So you want to get off at 7200 South and, and access the garden from that direction. I just going and walking through every now and then and getting some ideas, some inspiration mm-hmm. out. Mm-hmm. How can folks learn more, dear? So we have a couple websites. ConservationGardenPark.org is all things garden. Um, if you want to learn how to landscape for Utah, that is the localscapes method, the localscapes uh, that we've talked about, and that's localscapes.com. And then the last one is utahwatersavers.com, and that's all about rebates. Oh, and, and you guys have some uh, workshops coming up, too. Oh, we do. We have some really fun ones. So we like to try to teach people in lots of interesting ways. So um, we do have the Flip Your Strip Park Strip class coming up. It's a live webinar. You don't even have to go anywhere to do that, and that's on the 7th. And then next week on the 14th, you'll actually come to the garden, and it's our Lavender Work and Learn. Oh, I want to do that one. You'll actually be working in the garden along with our team, and they'll explain how to use lavender and what to do with it and how to grow it. And then anything you harvest, you're welcome to take home. What's the best watering watering advice you can give? Yeah. Pay attention. (laughs) Pay attention. After you've you've done uh, your lawn mow each week, do a post-mow check. Because if you're watering at night like you're, you're supposed to, 
Um, if a sprinkler head gets out of alignment or breaks or something, you might not always see it. Especially if you t- set your water for early in the morning. That was happening to me. When you're asleep. The yeah. sprinkler heads were breaking and stuff. And you so just you, wouldn't you see it. Get so, up and see it. And it's really easy to do a post mode check if you have a smart controller because you just sit on your phone, turn that cycle on, watch the sprinkler heads, turn it off, move to the next one. And it just, you know, it's just mm-hmm. a couple of minutes you can assess that, yes, my sprinkler system's doing what it's supposed to do or no, it's not. I just got to make a quick adjustment and then things will be great. I'm going to look into that, dear. That's really cool. And one other thing we talked about a long time ago, if you water 20 minutes, it's too long because the water just runs off. Uh, if you water eight minutes uh, is the is the limit, really. Well, it just depends on the type of sprinkler head. Uh-huh, so what we uh-huh. call that is the cycle and soak method. Uh-huh. So instead of running the full allotted time, so let's say it's supposed to be 25 minutes for a pop-up spray head, uh-huh. you're going to break that time in half water your entire yard and then come back and and do the half so you're going to do it in half increments and that way you don't get that runoff because the ground can only absorb so So much much. Mm -hmm. fantastic what's the website one more time cynthia b conservationgardenpark.org and i want to be a lavender farmer in my retirement so we're talking (laughs) after the show okay all right, sounds All right. Great. That was fantastic, Al. I love it when Cynthia comes in. And yeah. folks, seriously, if you've it's not great. been to Conservation Garden Park and you'd like a little day trip in the valley and it's lush. Free. It's, oh, wait, say that I'm louder. planting daisies. Admission is free. Bring the kids. <laughs> Native daisies. What's that? Native daisies. Oh, a whole bunch. All right. Close on the 4th and 25th for the holidays. But otherwise, folks, get yourself on out there and get some ideas. Ask for Cynthia B. if she's around. Aldine, that's our show. What's coming up next week before we go to one more song here? Um, next week we're we we might have some go back to doing some uh, farm visits. All right, and we also have a conversation with Peter Donegan in we Ireland. We surely do. He's uh, they've inaugurated the garden over there. In that, the Somme in France. The, in France. And uh, we'll talk a little bit about him. It's always great to check in with him. And maybe we'll cook something up for the future here where we can get him to come back. Or maybe we can go to Ireland and broadcast. That'd be all right, too. (laughs) (laughs) What's the music next week? Um, The music next week is the the 8th. It's John Bean and the Eye Rollers. All right. But tonight we have in Studio 3B live during the Punk Rock Farmer Friday edition. We have Nick Passy and Aria Darling. Thank you so much for coming in. We appreciate it. It's it's always a pleasure to be here. Where can folks catch you in the community? And I do have one more pair of tickets. Um, well, yes, that concert would be great. We have a, a list of shows on nickpassy.com. And uh, we are playing all around. We're playing Provo tomorrow for the Freedom Festival. Um, we've got a show on July 7th at Beehive. We play at Roja Brewing on the 9th and in Park City on July 10th at Pendry. So there I saw somewhere where you guys may go abroad to yes. play some shows. Yes, we're playing ne- the Netherlands, Germany and Belgium and we've got 15 shows over there. That is How so cool. exciting is that? It, that? Will, it will be so much fun. <laughs> and I know how much they love American musicians, especially folky kind of stuff. You guys are going to do amazing. I, yeah. can, I just know it. Yeah, it's, 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 a, it's really amazing to travel across, across the, the planet and then walk into some bar and see a local Salt Lake City musician's guitar hanging up and signed. And you're just going, what? (laughs) (laughs) Where can people get vinyl, CDs, digital downloads? Um, All on nickpassy.com slash music. That is the the best spot. But we are, we're on all of the platforms. Um, 
we we suggest getting it from us at a show or getting it online first but you know if you got a gift card or something you know you can you can go through one of the other mediums as well. <laughs> well, we do have a pair of tickets to see Nick Passy and Aria Darling on Friday, July 22nd at Hello Bulk Markets. They're doing a show over there at their favorite grocery store. So once they start playing, give me a call at 801-359-9191, and they are yours. This, this one is called Shame. Will you give us just a little uh, intro on it? Um, so part of the concept of the album that we're tracking right now is the 12 strong different emotions and so this one is is shame nick nick and aria right here fresh and homegrown krcl with shame KRCL 90.9 FM, HD1, Salt Lake City, Ogden, Provo, 96.7 FM in Park City, and on the web at krcl.org.
get that clunker off your to-do list and out of your backyard forever. KRCL's car donation partner, Cars Inc., will tow your vehicle and donate the proceeds to KRCL. Find out if you can get a tax deduction for your used vehicle donation by visiting the support tab at krcl.org.